Gittin Perik Ches, Mishnah Gimel 8.3. Our Mishnah starts with that faithful word, V'chein, and the same principle applies. So V'chein Le'inin Kedushin, the same principle applies to Kedushin. So let's just review what the principle was. In the last Mishnah we said that if a woman is standing in Rishus HaRabim, or in a other domain that isn't her own, so if the husband throws the get to her, and it's more accessible to her than to him, and there's no one else around to snatch the get away, so she can get it with ease. It's just a matter of picking it up. So then even though the get's not within her Dalit Amos, which is normally the requirement to acquire something in a, in a public domain, still we say the get has been received by her and she's divorced. Now, the leniency that a woman can receive this get, even though it's not within her Dalit Amos, is a dindera banan because we didn't want women to become agunos, to be trapped in a marriage where the husband essentially threw the get at her and, and zoomed off into the sunset, now, and uh, since she didn't receive the get and it blew away after the wind or something, she's stuck and can never get a get again. And therefore, we had this leniency. In contrast that if it's closer to him than to her, meaning he can still have easier access than she can, um, then it hasn't been given. And if it's equally accessible to both of them when he throws it in the Rosh Hashanah, meaning either it's kind of between the two of them, not literally between, meaning it could be closer to one than the other, but they both have equal ease to access it, um, or equal difficulty in accessing it, like he threw a turn and got stuck in a tree or something, um, so then we said it's a it's a suffix of magreshes and magreshes. She's divorced, but not divorced, um, as we said before. So here, back in our Mishnah, we say lechen in kedushin. The same applies to kedushin, meaning the leniency that if he throws the get to her and excuse me, the the item that he's using for kedushin, meaning he's he's effecting a marriage by let's say throwing a little ring to her. He says, "Do you want to marry me?" She says, "Yes." He says, "Great, I'm going to throw you the ring." And he throws the ring. Um, if the ring lands uh, closer to her than to him in a public domain and no one else is there to snatch away from her, she says, pick it up. So even though it's not in her Dalit Amos, we say that it has um, been received by her and she is Mukudeshis, again, assuming there are two witnesses observing it, like there was in the case of the Gitzin case in the previous Mishnah. So um, the question is why? I mean, why should we be lenient um, and count this as a Kedushin? When it came to the Get, we said, listen, the rabbis are lenient and said, we don't want a woman to be stuck as an aguna, and therefore we're lenient and say, even though it didn't quite make it to our Dalai Ramos, um, we'll count it rabbinically as if she did get it. But why would we want to make a leniency with respect to Kedushin, when the, what's the big deal? Either they're not married, or he'll have enough to marry her again by giving the cast of Kedushin, or the ring, whatever it is, in a more respectable way. The answer is that there's a general um, overarching principle on a Doraisa level, that there's a heckish, there's a connection between divorce and marriage, marriage being Kedush in the first case, because Kedushin, which creates the bond of marriage, and Gitin, which severs the bond of marriage, are really like kind of, you know, reciprocal acts. And the Pasuk, which says, Vayatza mi beso, she leaves his house, that's the consequence of being divorced. And then it goes on to say, and she becomes with another man, meaning she's like married to that man. So the Hekish that the Pasuk conflates, combines those two issues, just opposing the Yitzia of the Gerishin and the Havaya, the establishment of the new marriage of Kedushin. So therefore, the rabbis understand that you can learn halachas one from the other. And since that principle um, applies throughout the halachas of Gitin and, and Kedushin, so even though the rabbis made a din de Rabbanon, that she should acquire her get, um, if he throws it to her and she has more access than he does, and no one else is around, um, even though there's no reason to make such a in of itself, no reason to make such a leniency with regard to Kedushin, 
the rabbis wanted to keep the symmetry and therefore apply this principle of what they call v'yatsavahaisa, the the hekesh connecting the havaya and the yitzia, the divorce and the marriage together. And therefore, the rabbis decided to make this leniency apply as well when it comes to kedushin. As far as um, if it's mechzal mechza, meaning it's equally accessible to both of them or to neither of them, you know, the ring gets stuck in a tree. So then uh, she's she's in a suffix situation, and that would mean that if she wants to marry someone else, she'll have to first get a get from the first husband out of suffix. If she wants to marry him and, and move in with him, they'll have to do Kedushin all over again. Okay, the next part of the Mishnah says, The same goes when you're paying back a debt, meaning, on the face of it, that if, you know, the borrower owns a, owes the lender $100, the, the borrower can just, you know, throw the 100 bucks at him, and if it's closer to him, the lender than the borrower, so that would settle the debt. Now that's very peculiar. Why in the world should that be the case? That's not a way to pay back a debt. And more than that, the only reason that we said in a public place that you're, you can acquire something that's given to you, um, not near Dalat Amos, and here in the case of paying back a debt should be in his hand proper, um, is this leniency for Garish and want women to not be stuck as agunos. So why would this apply in the case of paying back a debt? And the answer is, well, really it wouldn't. It's just that our case is an unusual case where the lender says to the borrower, listen, throw me the money and the rules of Gittin will apply. I want the rules of Gittin to apply to this, this throwing of the money. So since he stipulated that he is allowing the rules of Gittin to apply, so all of a sudden now, because of that, if the money ends up closer to him and accessible to him uniquely without anyone to compete with him in the Rishas Arabim even, so it means he got paid back. Only because that's stipulation. As the Mishnah says here, Amrlo Baal Chovo, the case is that the the Baal Chovo, the man who is entitled to be repaid, says to him, the borrower, Zrokli Chovi, throw me the money you owe me. And the Gemara says, it means that he says, Zrokli Chovi, throw me the money you owe me, Betoras Gitin, and the rules of Gitin will apply. This Karavlo, Karavlo situation. And therefore, Uzarko Lo, if the borrower throws the money, if it's closer to the lender, then Zacha Halove. So then um, that counts as a credit towards the borrower, meaning he's paid back his debt. Now the truth is that's a strange way of expressing it. It should have said Zacha Hamalve, that the lender now is considered to have received the money. And that, in fact, is the girsa in the, as we have it in the Gemara. Um, it says Zacha Hamalve. But the point is the same. There's no argument really. There's a girsa change, but there's a both the Mishnah we have here and in the Gemara agree, the point is it's credited towards the paying back of the debt. If it's Karav Lalova, however, says the Mishnah, if the money that the borrower throws ends up still being closer, more accessible to the borrower um, than, the, than the lender, so then Halova Chayev, so then the borrower still is on the hook. So meaning the case is something like this for all these cases, you know, the borrower throws the hundred bucks to the lender, and then lightning comes down and incinerates the hundred dollar bill. So now does he have to pay a second dime? So if it landed closer to the malva, and the malva said, "I want the rules of getting to apply," so since it was close enough for him to pick it up, if then subsequently lightning strikes it, so then too bad for the lender. If the borrower throws the money, it's so closer to him or more accessible to him, and then lightning strikes it, so too bad for the borrower. He'll have to pay a second time because he didn't give over the money. Mechza al mechza, if it's equally accessible to both borrower and lender, I mean, it's sort of, they both could just, they're standing in a park and the lender throws it, uh, sorry, the borrower throws it to the lender and it's kind of between the two of them. Each can just take a couple steps and pick it up. So then, 
Well, it's mechza mechza, it's half-half, or equally if he threw the $100 bill and it got stuck in a tree, so neither can access it without the help of the other one. Same thing, mechza mechza, and therefore says the Mishnah, shnehem yachaloku, they have to divide it, meaning what that would mean is that the bar would have to pay another $50, you know, splitting the difference. Now that's very strange. Also, on the face of it, uh, because if it's 50-50, the usual rule is, if, if we treat the 50-50 as mechza mechza, as a suffolk, as a situation of doubt, so the normal rules when it comes to a suffolk of a doubtful situation where someone is claiming money from someone else, the over the primary rule is, the person is trying to extract money, it's the burden of proof is on him to show that he still owed the money. So if we're not sure if this counts as being paid back or not, so then why don't we say, listen, the lender will have to bring a proof it was not actually closer to him um, so that to, in order to force the borrower to, to pay a second time, otherwise he should be off the hook. So the answer is no, that's not what's happening at all. It's not a suffix that we don't know who was closer to. That's not the point. The point is it was equally close to both of them, accessible to both of them, and therefore they both have a claim. And when the rule is when you have two people having a competing claim um, with each other, so then the principle is that it's yachalok, we split split the difference. So that means you know, the two guys come in, each one holding the talus on its fringes, and they say, oh, I found it, no, I found it. The bezdin, what is the bezdin? No, who knows? They don't know who claimed it first, but they both are claiming it now, so therefore the bezdin says, okay, let's just split the value 50 50. So that's what's happening over here. Okay, the Mishnah continues, but you know, it's like a whole new topic, if you will, here. We're talking now about the husband giving the wife a get by throwing it from um, a roof to a courtyard or vice versa. So the picture is, it'd be useful if you have a picture, but the point is, um, the hus- there's like two houses next to each other, you know, on the property line. House number one um, has like a, a rooftop, and then right off the roof, if you throw something off the roof, it will land in the courtyard or the backyard of house number two. Okay? And since they're married right now, the point is that the wife has nechse malug, she brought into the marriage a property, we'll discuss both the, her house of the one with the roof or the house of the backyard, the courtyard. Um, but the point is, since it's her property in the event of a divorce, her property could acquire her get, as we said in the beginning of the parak. So the question is, if he is throwing her the get, either from the roof down to her courtyard or from the courtyard up to her roof, at what point is it considered that her courtyard received it on her behalf, that she's divorced, um, if, you know, the next moment the lightning strikes and incinerates the get? Again, you have a situation, in this case, of the throwing, where there's two witnesses observing it, they know the get is the get. It's just a question of when does she receive the get in her yada, the legal equivalent of her hand, meaning her property, which makes a Kenyan chatzer on her behalf, acquiring it for her. So, the Mishnah says, al If she's the one standing atop her roof, and he stands down directly below from the roof in his courtyard, and he throws it up to her, as soon as it the get reaches into the airspace of her roof, so then um, she is she is migoresha, she's divorced. So what does that mean, airspace? So if there's no parapet, maka, going around the roof of the gag, so even though there's no, you know, just like a, just you, you know, take one step off the roof and you're crashing down below, there's nothing to protect you from falling off, it's still considered to be a chatzar mishtameris, a place that's protected because no one's accessing a roof besides her. Um, it's, you know, 10 tefachim off the ground or more. Um, but therefore, it has to get into the airspace of the roof, which means we invoke the principle of lavud. Lavud is a halacha l'moshim sinai, a principle that applies all over kolta or kula, that if something's within three tefachim, we'll call that 11 inches, it's as if it's already there. So that means that in this context over here, um, 
once it gets within those three tefachim of the ground of her roof, top, the surface of her roof, so then it's as if it's already on the ground of the roof, and therefore the roof can acquire on her behalf, even though it's not quite touching the ground, and therefore she's divorced at that point. Which would mean if he throws the get up to her onto roof time, and it's as it's, you know, gets, you know, 11 inches, 10 inches, 9 inches, all of a sudden lightning strikes, and before it even hits the surface of the roof, the get is incinerated. Well, she's already divorced because the because of Lovewood, it's like it lands on the roof, and therefore it's as if her roof already acquired it for her. If there is a kind of like a parapet going around the roof, like a maka, to protect people from falling off, let's say that's 10 tefachim high, as it's supposed to be. So then, um, assuming that, you know, once it's the get falls below the 10 tefachim mark, and sort of now if the wind would blow, it would be protected because of the maka, the parapet going around the roof. So as soon as the get gets below the line of the top of the maka, the parapet, you know, we're talking like within 10 tefachim, or however high it is, so then at that point, it's considered within the airspace of the roof, and she is already divorced. Okay, now the other way around. What happens if who, the husband, Milamala, he's standing on the roof, it's his roof. The he and she, the woman to get divorced, is standing in her backyard, Milamata, down below. And it's hers, meaning it's her nechzimolog, it'll be hers once she's divorced. Vizarkola, he, the husband, throws it down to her off the roof. So then Kevachigatsa, Marishus Hagag, once it's left like the property line, enter, leaving the roof and entering into the domain of the Chatzer, so let's assume the Chatzer has seen Mishnah so it's got like a fence around it, and that picket fence, let's say, is, you know, whatever. It's, you know, four feet tall. So that as soon as it gets within four feet of the ground, already it's in the domain of the Chatzer, the backyard, and therefore she's received her get, because her backyard received it for her, and she'd be divorced, which would mean, says the says the Mishnah, once it's left his rooftop and entered into her domain, Nimchak, if all of a sudden torrential rains, you know, fall, and it gets washed away and rubbed out, even though she, it didn't touch the ground yet, or Nisraf, lightning comes and incinerates it, or a fire comes, you know, the neighbor with his flamethrower comes and burns it up midair. So then, Hareza Mugureshes, it doesn't matter, she's already, she's already divorced, because her Chatzir acquired it for her. The Gemara speaks out, by the way, that... It can't be that he's like throwing it into her fire pit down below. That's not going to work because then it's as if it's already burnt before he even threw it off the gra- threw it off the roof. The case is that there was no fire at the time, but then lightning struck, or the crazy neighbor used his flamethrower, or something else rather strange happened, and uh, the wind caught it and blew it into the flame somewhere else. Whatever the story is, if he was throwing it to her unencumbered backyard, and then something happens, as long as it got within the height that it's within the walls of the backyard, it's been received by her, and it doesn't matter what happens next to the get.